0: of Oklahoma and all 0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is up, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Max Show this time we're hitting that game review. The Sooners fresh off a 33 to 3 it was a 3s wild uh, Dmac 33 to 3 victory over Kent State, the the Golden Flashes by the way. Uh, a team that came out, they had some fight. OU kind of had it taken to them in the first half, but in the second half they were able to to pull together and do what they need to do as Always the name up on the marquee, D Mac here riding with us today. Of course, D Mac, how you doing today?
1: Brother, good to hear from you. How about yourself, man?
0: Doing all right. I'm actually doing better now, but over the weekend, Mm -hmm. I got something for the first time I'd never gotten in my entire life.
1: Oh, I gotta ask.
0: Let's hear it. I had a freaking ingrown fingernail. Oh my goodness, brother, it hurt like hell man but wife went to work she's got it feeling a little better today got that thing out of there <laughs> man it was it was not good like it feels yesterday I was in some pain man never had that uh. before so I'm glad glad it's better but man got a lot to talk about today I'm excited to hear what you have to say on OU's performance and I know the listeners are as well uh so just just Man, it was a wild week of college football. A lot of teams went down. A lot of teams struggled. Uh, We saw Alabama get get a one-point win against Texas. Texas fought really hard. Maybe it's not the Alabama team of the past. We saw Texas A&M go down to Appalachian State. Another blocked field goal. Are you kidding me? And then, of course, we had, um, oh, what was the other one? had the no, two up. Notre Dame. Notre Dame, that's Notre right. Dame. The Domers go down to Marshall, 26 to 21. So how are we feeling about the week of college football and uh, in our Sooners, DMACC?
1: So a couple of things. uh B. First things first, let, let's jump right on the elephant in the room. There's not a better way for Texas to lose. Now, I wanted them to lose 1100 to two you know what i'm saying get a get a you know like a mercy safety in the last two minutes of the game but to play their hearts out to go balls to the wall their quarterback gets hurt and they they continue to carry on and have all the pride in the team and the horns up and still lose you freaking losers like you're losers like you find any possible way to lose you listen Losers lose. There's something to winning and winners find a way to win. And there's something to losing. I love the fact that they showed us on film they're not going to lay over and die. I love the fact they showed us on film they've got some players that if their heads in the right headspace, those guys can go make plays. I actually like the fact that they tried to play defense. Good kudos to them. They had some guys step up and, and make some plays. Um I liked listen, I, I'm a football fan and, and I'm a Texas hater. Uh, you know, I'm saying sign still delivered, but I kind of like the X Man. The uh, the guys on Fox were saying the X Man is the closest uh, worthy, the worthy kid from Texas. They were saying he's the closest thing to Hollywood. And listen, haters are gonna hate, but ballers play ball. Worthy can play some ball. The kid had a great game. The kid made plays, and there is a there is an aspect of him being a little undersized, extremely uh, athletic, and extremely fast that i see the parallels i think it's a good comparison and i think x-men is pretty dope if i were he i'd be leveraging my new relationships to have some x-men stuff coming but uh texas man what can you say listen i kept telling people that was a hell of a loss man that was a hell of a loss <laughs> like but job boys lost Like you lost, bro. At OU, when we lose, we don't look for sympathy. We don't ask for moral victories. We're not around saying we need to go up in the rankings because we lost to Bama. So that means when you lose to us, you expect to go up again because we're going to kick that ass too. Like, I, I don't understand the logic and it, it, it breathes into like your bloodstream, into your uh your your white blood cells, into your muscles, your tendons, like that stuff bleeds in you and you start accepting that type of behavior. You literally become a loser. So I'm excited. I, I liked it. I liked it. I, I was texting some of my buddies like, you know what? I don't know how upset I would be if they won. And somebody was like, hell no, nah. I never want to I said, ta, 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 ta. I didn't say I want them to win. I just said. If they did win, I wouldn't be upset because I want their best second Saturday in October. um, I want the whatever they call themselves, the Texas Nation or the Texas, whatever the, I don't know, Kool-Aid zippers, whatever they call themselves. I want those guys to to come and bring it. And I expect our guys to come and bring it, too. That's the way we treated that game uh, when we played in it. And uh, we'll see what happens UTSA this Saturday, brother. We'll see if they play like the Bama world beaters who almost won. Or if they play like the Texas who, you know, can lose to a Kansas two years in a row. Man, I want to
0: touch on it real quick because we actually brought this up in a uh, podcast and I know we're burying the lead sooner fans, but we brought up the Texas A&M thing. And one of the things I think both of us genuinely agreed on was culture and mindset come before talent. If you you don't have the right culture and system of development and the right mindset as a program, you can bring in all the best people you want. It's like a company that goes in and hires the best of the best, but they have no leadership and no direction. You end up with a lot of good people who don't know what to do. And was what we saw Saturday from them a product of that or do you think it runs a little deeper
1: I I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head and no pun intended but it's kind of like building a house if you go to you know Home Depot and you go to wholesale places to get your you know your sheet rock and a nice roof and you go buy some expensive paintings and 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 you you get the nice walk-in closet but you haven't addressed that foundation you don't have nothing and so you know when you come in as an A&M and you were a, a little poor, a sister of the poor in the Big 12, let's be honest, those guys were literally a doormat when they left. Like they were not even competitive. They had to reinvent themselves and they did it with splash and cash and you know everything else they could do to compete in the SEC. And I think the SEC allowed them to do that a little more liberally. Right.
0: Mm.
1: And so that that manifests itself. That manifests itself, uh, Texas to a lesser degree, but we did. I absolutely remember that conversation we had about like the way Brent Venables is building this this program back, brick by brick. You can't overlook that aspect of the job. Like that's a part of the gig. You can't just like gloss over and be like, oh, things will work this way out. We'll five star our way to success. Uh, I think they got a rude awakening. When, like you said, the, the Appalachian states of the world who did the same thing, I think, 17 years ago to Michigan, or it, it maybe a little farther, maybe 20 years ago, I don't remember how many years exactly it was, but those guys come to play. Those guys don't come like Little Sisters of the Poor, Handkerchief University, A&M, School for the Blind. Those guys come with the expectation that they're going to win a game, especially when the week before they could have beat UNC in Chapel Hill. Like, I don't know how A&M played themselves having watched film of a team that essentially out-athleted. Barry, those guys out-athleted UNC in Chapel Hill. Yeah. So a and I mean, but you know what the thing is? At the end of the day, that's an issue culturally, but they they need a quarterback. It, you, you can't compete at the highest level here in college football today's day and age when your quarterback can't be a point guard and get the ball to all the players. And so that's another issue that they got to deal with.
0: So true and you know we're going to start we said it then and then we'll kind of move on but we're gonna see that that nil money that right now is flowing like the nile at the moment man as as production on the field starts not matching the investment that stuff starts drying up a little bit uh so so i'm curious to see how this will play out but of course what everybody came here and to listen to us uh to break down is the uh, OU Sooner. We can call it a beat down because they really took it to them in the second half. Thirty-three to three victory over Kent State. The uh, the atmosphere at this game, coming through the TV screen at the very least, seemed electric. Talked to some people who were there. A bunch of folks said it was. The best atmosphere they've experienced at an OU game in about a decade. And we're talking about playing a group of five football team in September. And this just shows you what BV is building, what the, what the culture and the mindset of the program is at the moment. Uh, the student section, they, they stayed there the whole game. They felt challenged from the game I was at, which was hot. I get that, but they they felt the challenge, and they they rose to the occasion. So, Dmac, just early thoughts, uh, initial uh, observations about the Sooners' performance against Kent State.
1: Uh, what was that deal with the French Revolution? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was a tale of two halves. First half, we slept, walked through the game. Um, I felt like there were aspects of the game plan that they didn't want to deviate from. In fact, you know, Barry, I, I think – And I don't know. I don't have I haven't reached out to anybody and asked any questions. Um, In fact, I'm kind of out of town. My wife kind of doing a staycation kind of a deal in Tahoe. Um, I truly believe they watched film from UTEP. And in that film, they say, "Okay, we've diagnosed we have an issue running the ball to the left. Gosh, dang it. Against Kent State, we're going to prove we can run the ball to the left. And I think that manifested into a bigger issue that obviously parlayed itself um, into us. I think we had 77 yards at the half, and and a lot of you know just discombobulation. There's there's a lack of trust, I would say, in some aspects of the game. And then I think, um, and this is a beautiful thing that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. We went in at halftime, and a a a, an mo of uh, Lincoln Riley was we would come back second half and not necessarily make adjustments. We clearly made adjustments. We went in, we circled, I wouldn't say circled the wagons, but we kind of looked at the issues we had in the, in the past protection. And I'd also say running the football and said, okay, let's, let's alter this. Let's move this way. And it wasn't by accident. Marcus Majors comes in and in the third quarter, we run right a ton. And all of a sudden, you know, we're running a daylight and boom, things, things, things improve and get better. So Uh, Just from a, just kind of like a a macro lens, I think it's a good game to have on film. Um, I think they are also still um, in their um, interview phase with certain players in certain positions. We saw different players play different positions uh, on Saturday that they played last week. We'll kind of touch on that as well. But I know there's a, there's an aspect of what we saw Saturday where the coaches still want to put guys in positions where they want to see if they can just get it done without having to scheme it. And so we'll go deeper into that piece here in a minute. Um, but listen, go look at the data, right? People want to argue getting their emotions. I get it. I hate giving up a third and seven scramble too. But the data says the defense is light years ahead of where we were in years in yesteryears. And the offense is averaging 36 points a game. So, you know. When you look at it from a a, a very uh, micro lens and you really analyze the numbers themselves and you look at who we are today, we're not championship caliber OU. But, the, you know, the sky isn't falling, uh, you know, the house isn't burning down and, and the foundation is being set. We're setting a foundation that tells teams like a Kent State, who probably we beat by maybe a touchdown last year. You can't play with us, bro. You, you, you're cute. You made some plays. Your quarterback's a pretty nice player. By the way, the quarterback possibly could have been the best player on the field. I'm just saying. Again, I like to show love when when love is due. I'm just saying. I'm not hating. I'm just saying he that kid showed me some stuff. Good. Um, and he and he had some zip on his ball. He had some zip on his ball. But point being. We have a program now, guys. We don't just have an offensive dynamo with a mad scientist at the helm. We have an actual program with an offense and a defense and a culture and special teams. And uh, we have adjustments to our adjustments. And we have players who actually know a system. B-minus. I'll give them a B-minus. But I'm also in a position where I'm not you know, going to go cry in my pillow and and say I hate uh, Coach Venables. Well, and here's what
0: I would also say they've got an NFL guy playing receiver and in the gentleman, they were calling the, the slim Reaper um, in our preview podcast uh, where we talked to uh, Alan. Um, he yeah. brought up that he was going to be a problem. And even though it felt like he made plays Damien, he only ended up with four catches for 50 yards. Yeah. He had a 24 yard long, their quarterback ends up 11 of 19 for 131. So when you you look at that, of course, watching the game, you're having that initial gut reaction to the performance. But when you put this in context with how the program has looked in the past five to seven years, this was a great outing against a team that they were supposed to handle like they did in the second half. Uh, They went out, they they got it done in the second half, and there were no outrageous stat lines from anyone. I mean, how often did this thing turn into a 31 of 40 for 350 and three touchdowns? And yet you still win 63 to 35, right? You have what Oklahoma State had in week one, essentially. Uh, but but man, I think what they've what they're on to is both sides of the ball having some say in how the game goes. And that is the foundation in which you build a champion. You look at Georgia and what they've done. They started to lay the foundation of the defense. They slowly brought in, uh, brought in some offense, got talent on both sides of the ball. And both sides of the ball got incrementally better year to year to year. You don't see champions win without being elite on both sides of the ball. And maybe right now I would say OU is good on both sides of the ball. But would you you agree there with that assessment?
1: I do. And I actually pulled up some data. Check this out. We played Tulane last year. We outgained them by 36 yards. Wow. Their quarterback threw for 296 yards, three TDs, no interceptions. They had two separate running backs have a touchdown of 15 yards or longer. Two separate guys ran for TDs for two for 15 yards or longer. Um, they had a receiver go for 93 yards. They had five receivers catch three or more balls for 27 or more yards. So that tells me, like, I mean, obviously the score was 35 to 40, right? Like yeah. we win the game, but we all watched that game and we totally could have lost that game. Uh, but like you said, we we don't have that dilemma right now, and I think a lot of people are having heartaches about. Oh my God, we don't have a dynamo offense today. By the way, our quarterback is not Caleb Williams. By the way, he was a pretty good stinking player. He's playing damn good and in, in, at USC, right? We don't we don't have Kennedy Brooks this year. We don't have a CD Lamb. New guys are going to have to emerge, but before new guys can emerge, the first thing they have to do is be 100 percent confident in the system. And I I just tell people to exercise a little bit of patience and let people get familiar and comfortable with where they need to be. The data and the numbers say, which, by the way, I'm totally uh, between the white lines. Let's kick their ass. I don't need to hear numbers kind of guy. I, I'm totally like a, let's just go have full carnage. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm that guy and I understand it, but the numbers also tell a story. So yeah. let's take a deep breath. Let's focus on kicking Nebraska's ass. I don't give a damn if Frost is there or not. And let's, I, I told a gentleman the other day, give us eight quarters. In the next eight quarters, we'll really know who we are. And it really won't be a lot of guesstimations happening, estimations happening, or or, you know, people having to kind of, figure it out. We will have enough game film. We will have enough quarters of guys to get comfortable to really say, this is kind of who we are. We either go up, we stay the same, or we start to deteriorate. So I, 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 as of right now, I'm okay. It'll just be interesting to see how things unfold.
0: So you you brought up DG uh, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, of, Of course people are going to naturally have this inclination to compare him to Caleb Williams. And I think there was this bit, I hate to use the word delusion, but it is important to be able to be honest with yourself when when a player is is just better. And Caleb Williams is an elite talent at quarterback. I don't think there's any sensible football mind that would argue otherwise. That does not mean that Gabriel cannot be a part of championships at Oklahoma. Because we've seen what elite quarterback play gives you it gives you a first round exit in the semis if you don't have a good defense i mean that that's what it looks like i mean stetson bennett who has really upped his game has become a solid quarterback but i wouldn't say he's caleb williams i wouldn't say he's kyler murray or baker mayfield but they have a team and they've built the program with the team in mind so staying on that side of the ball i mean just looking at gabriel's numbers First half to second half, he ends up with 21 to 28, uh, just a hair under 300 yards. No picks, by the way. He's been pretty good with the ball. He's maybe taken a few sacks where he could have thrown it away. But you know who, who's to say on what what he's being coached there to do? I don't really know. You probably might have a little more insight there. But how would you grade his performance, but both games included? And then, of course, looking at the second half of this one, where do you think he stands and how he's played on the field so far?
1: Um, so the only pause I have with Dylan is he is one of the few guys playing who know the playbook. And there are aspects of the scheme where I see, and, and like you said, I don't really know exactly how things are being um, discussed behind the scenes. It It isn't the playbook that I learned at OU like I could literally look at a play that Rattler did last year or that Caleb did last year and be like ah he missed it because I knew it was an action um RPO what he was supposed to do next like I know you hit you read outlet throw it away or run to daylight like I you know what I mean and so with him I don't really know the psychology behind their scheme I told myself that's that's my homework assignment between this season and and the beginning of next season and I buy rain, sleet or snow. I'm going to get it done. But that said, um, you know, I I give him a solid B, Barry. Um, I give him a B because, like you said, the kid's protecting the ball. Um, He's not doing anything absolutely crazy. Like, for instance, the first play of the game, I think, last year against Tulane, I think we threw a pick or the first series, at least. I think, you know, and if you and if you watch the film, I believe it's Mims over the top and maybe it's like Hazelwood or somebody, running a 15-yard dig, and he's wide open, but Battler kind of made it up in his mind that he wants to go for the money play right at the beginning, and of course, we turn the ball over. Dylan hasn't done that. Um, I, I I get a little concerned with him holding on the ball on some of their action stuff. He knows better. Listen, when you run action, there's generally three um, checks, right? You run action to get one guy the ball. Listen, guys, if you guys are uh, listening to this and you are kind of a novice at football, right, a difference between a typical drop back where quarterbacks have quote unquote progression, right, there's a first read, second read, third read, and then maybe an outlet or whatever. Action is not designed to be progression. In action, when you run action, which means you're faking some type of boot, some type of zone, some type of counter, whatever the action is, where the old line is creating action to make backers think it's run so they stay near the line of scrimmage, you've got a shot. You're trying to take a shot or you're trying to drive the safety out by taking the shot and you're trying to hit a crosser is what you're trying to do. And mm-hmm. on some of these sacks that we see him taking, it's an action. So I don't need to know the playbook to know somebody's going to you know the third level of the defense, which means they're taking the safety out of the play and somebody's coming underneath him. And if that crosser is not available, Barry, there's an outlet which on those sacks, you can see there's generally a running back in the flat or somebody in the flat. And if that's not available, you throw the ball away or you run the daylight. And so my biggest concern with, with DG at this very moment is two or three times in both games, we run action. He holds the ball. He, he's looking. I, you know, I, I can't see exactly how his progressions are or if he's taking his first, second read or whatever. But then he holds the ball again. When in reality, here, here, here's another piece of the pot. Let's say we're running something action to the right, and then there's an outlet to the left. And let's say he's covered. Well this, is week, well, this is week one of the NFL season, week two of the college season. I saw 20 games where teams ran plays very similar to ones like ours. And when nothing was available, the quarterback threw it 10 yards over the outlet's head, knowing that he was going to be there, and they move on and go to the next play. So I don't give Dylan, uh, I don't I don't give him an excuse in saying, oh, like he knows where his outlet is. When they run those action plays, they run them a ton in practice. And you know, hey, outlet is on the left. Hey, outlet's on the right. If it's not there, take two steps and chuck it into the stands in his direction. You're good to go. So that part right there are negatives that we as an offense can't afford to give up. Just you know, we're we're not, you know, we're not the 2018 with Bacon and and Hollywood and 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 Lamb and the rest of the crew. We're not the 16-17 team with 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 Mixon and and P. Ryan. you know what I'm saying? Like we we're not that team with Sterling Shepard like we don't have those guys right now or maybe we do, but they still have to learn together and we can't afford second and 13s, third and 12s. And especially with a kid who's been in this system, a fourth-year player, he knows better. So I think he's probably hearing it from Levy and the rest of the crew and saying, dude, we can't afford those those negatives, but he's been clean with the ball. Uh, He throws a a catchable, a very catchable ball. He's extremely accurate with the football. Um, And he's got five touchdowns, no interceptions that that that's not a terrible way to start the season with all due respect to whatever the hell Caleb's and I don't know Caleb's numbers I don't even know Rattler's numbers uh DG's going to be okay and he's going to win us to a lot of W's so uh let the kid continue to grow cut out the the negatives in that regard and I think we'll be okay I
0: mean one thing that's obviously going to help him grow and help the confidence is, is the the run game progressing a little bit more We started to see glimpses of it in the second half. Um, We we saw a little bit late second quarter. We saw the the split from Eric Gray to Major, uh, back to Gray. Both of them had decent days. I think Major had a few more highlight plays and more wow moments that probably earned him a few more uh, snaps on the field uh, come uh, Nebraska week. But a big piece of that is how the offensive line plays. And in the first half, the general fan reaction was negative towards how the offensive line played. Uh, you said it, though. There were moments in pass pro, for instance, where it seemed like Bill and held on to that ball a little bit too long. But when you go to the run game, that's offensive line. That's the ability to move someone off of their spot. That's knowing who to get at the second level? That's being able to get to those second level blocks, so that run doesn't go for three; it goes for seven; it goes for fifteen. Looking at the offensive line and what our rotations been there, um, obviously expecting to get Wanye Morris back this week for Nebraska. What do you think needs to happen? Is, is it mental errors? Is it still a level of physicality that's just missing? What needs to happen? For the second half, what we saw to be what we see in the first half inconsistently for the rest of the year.
1: If you asked me to provide a scale from one to 10 on how talented our O-line is, meaning the ceiling, like if they all play their best, I'd say we're probably a 7.5 to 8. So I think we need to look at it from that lens just off the bat. And by the way, this is just my own eyes. You know, I, I I've never been an O lineman. I've been in the meetings. I was a you know I was a, I was a coach and coached O line for many years, and so I know some of their technique and stuff. But we are not 2018. What is it? What is it? 2018 or 2017 when we win the Moore Award when uh when uh Baby Boss wins that award? I think
0: 18. Yeah, I think was it's it the cause... 18 squad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's
1: the 18 squad, and we got four guys drafted in the first four rounds, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have those guys. On the field today, we're recruiting them. And I and I think some of the pups are going to be that caliber down the road. But just watching film the last what we went 11 and two last year and we're two and also 15 games. We haven't seen on film in the last 15 days, 15 games, excuse me, that caliber of player. So, that, so let, let's start there. The second thing that that we need to address is uh, recruiting. There comes a time when you have to say we just missed or didn't recruit enough. When you are depending on in consecutive years, your right guard and your left guard are kids who come from other programs, both the Pac-10, go figure. That says we haven't internally done a great job. Now, I am a proponent of the transfer portal. And I, I said this last year and people got pissed. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if by next year there's an allocation of scholarships to the transfer portal just because you can get good guys. You know what I mean? Like. You know, you're missing recruiting, you can go replenish that with players. So I get that part. And and kudos to Coach V for leveraging that as a resource uh this last season or this last offseason, excuse me. So so let's put right, so there's a recruiting part, there's a ceiling part. Okay. The third part is competition. When I watch us play, Barry, I don't see there are five guys just especially when you're talking about the interior lineman, especially specifically the guards. Center, Maybe left and right tackle. We've got three or four dudes that are kind of separated from everyone else. One of them's obviously ineligible for whatever reason. But at guard, there are viable options, and um, I'm not going to have a heartache today watching. I mean, listen. I'm, most people have been talking about the left guard, right? They've been they've been hooing and hawing about him, and the kid didn't have a great first half. Go watch the second half and and see how many times he's covering up a linebacker on the second level, believe it or not. Go watch the second half of the game, and I got to tell you, he plays a better half. The puppies come in and play equally as well. So the competition piece, Barry, is going to be interesting because you don't want to take a kid who just came in in June or just came in in August, and when you're going into the the teeth of your schedule, expect him not to have a brain fart. The odds just say there's going to be a game where he does, and those can get you killed. Those can get your quarterback killed and what the the average fan isn't thinking about because they want to kick that the the opponent's ass every single play is let me ask you this Barry, what happens if d g goes down
0: oh man. You, what happens
1: if we put in Sexton, we put in Taylor, we put in Bird, and there's some check that you know they miss or they just forgot. And, and God forbid, let me knock on wood. God, God for man, people would kill me if, they, if that uh, happens. Oh my <laughs> gosh. You would but be my enemy number wait, one <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you gotta prepare. And so point being is is Coach V's not lost on the fact that he's got one cue that knows this system and that's going to give them the advantage he needs to really produce a 10 win season this season. So we're, we're not going to see us go out there and be extremely multiple, be extremely assertive slash aggressive. Um, and so that competition piece, I, the, although I get it, the, 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 left guard, the kid from Cal, he's played in big games. He's played a full season. He's, he's had to make adjustments on the fly, the best thing I can tell the puppies is to keep showing up in film with your homework done. Keep showing up on a Monday with the mindset to want to grow. Keep showing up on Wednesday during blitz period and dominate, you know, a co. or an Ellison or a Kelly. Keep showing up on inside drill nine on eleven and and hit the right guy and make sure your hands are placed in the right space. Like that's what it's gonna take. And for the fans who are crying about the left guard, yeah, he's probably the weak link right now. I mean, I, I think on film he probably graded out the worst. Um I again, I I I don't know what they're doing in their in their in their building, in that building, but you gotta be somewhere. And um until until one of those guys plays over and beyond what he's doing, we can't like it sounds cool, Barry. I get it. Like, hey, let's just roll the dice and roll with the pup. Or hey, hey, let's just, you know, let's just sit him and see. I think Nebraska is probably the last chance we'll see, assuming we come out and play the game we need to play. Some of those guys just get random reps. We know our team, and it's it's been that way since I was there. Come Big 12, it ain't going to be a lot of rotation. The rotation drops dramatic. You see a lot of these young kids who get early TDs or get some early success but aren't doing the right things um, Sunday through Friday. They're on the bench, and they got to wait their turn. So, uh, for the kid from Cal, yeah, he's gotta get better. He's gotta play. He's gotta play 60 minutes. It can't be 30 minutes. Um, but the last thing to that point is, and this is hopefully will give some solace to the sooner community. Kent state's a team. You just say, we're going to run it. Damn it. Kent state's a team where you literally like, nah, f that we're running it, whatever, whatever we're in, we're running it against Nebraska but. Definitely the K-State and UTs of the world that are coming up in the in the preceding weeks, that doesn't happen. Coach calls a timeout and he says, Okay, where's the you know, where's the biggest advantage? Where's their weakest link? What are our best three plays? When you play at Kent State, I'm just telling you, I, I was with that staff for three seasons. You don't say, Okay, what's our best play uh against this front? You never we never have that conversation. We just call the plays and we run them. When we play at K-State. When we play, and by the way, I salute to K-State being like the caliber of K-State we played against because those boys was dogs. But when you when you're getting when you're prepping for Texas, there's just so much more nuance to preparation. And it's the reason why fans are like, oh my God, why did it take so long for them to well, because in the beginning of the season, OU's a type of program where we expect our Jimmies and Joes to be better at, you know, than their Tommies and Bartholomew's. And they should be able to have a little bit of distress and win. But our coaches aren't idiots. When we play against games in conference against teams with equal or close to equal talent, they're going to take the extra steps and nuances that they've been preparing our players for and expect them to do that job. Now, Barry, in that regard, let that kid continue to mess up. They're going to sit him on the bench immediately. If we are nuancing things out and there's checks in place and they have communications um that are that, that are specifically for that week and he's mentally busting or just physically getting beat, they're going to find somebody else. They're going to simplify the game plan and they're going to put somebody else in because at that point, you've got to just be able to line up and beat the guy across from you. That part is not going to go away. But the people who are saying, "Oh my God!" against Kent State, they kept on like, "Well, coach may just be wanting to try the zone read to the week four times in a row to see how we do it, and he can have it on film to watch." Like, it may not even be, you know, someone said, "Oh, he was giving away the plays." That may be the case, but maybe the play calling was also giving away the plays. We kept it oversimplified, and they could they could diagnose what we're doing because we didn't show much. And so, I I I tell everybody eight quarters. I, if if people know me, I'm not a sunshine pumper. I I I probably have crimson colored glasses because I'm I freaking love being a sooner. But I am not one of these guys that are going to feed you piss on your leg and tell you it's raining. Not going to do it. But I haven't seen something that's so blasphemous yet that makes me believe that you know, oh my god, there's turmoil and we need to have a shit ton of turnover on the offensive line. I haven't seen that yet. I believe against Nebraska will nuance the game plan a little more. And I definitely know against the K-States and UTs, you will see guys who are 100% prepared for all the personnel groupings, for all the packages, for the individual guys they're lining up ac- across from, what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are. Listen, Barry, I know I'm getting off bases here and whatever. You guys, sue me. We play Texas. 2000. They have Quentin Jammer. He's like a, uh, he's a, um, a Thorpe finalist, right? We watch film. On film, he's extremely dominant in press coverage. He's dominant. So in that, we can practice. They tell all the DBs to be extremely handsy with us. Be handsy with him. Be handsy because he's he's a guy who's going to put his hands on you. He's a strong guy. 6'1", 195, 205, something like that. Shit, I'm 5'11", 185, or 190, whatever. He's a bigger guy than me. Do you know I went to that game knowing that he was going to be a handsy guy? Go watch the film. I made it a point the entire game to whoop his ass physically when the ball wasn't coming to me. I had to let him know, mother, blue, 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 mother sucker. You will not. You will not do what I've seen you do on film to other guys. And I'm letting you know the very first play, dude. We did not look at UTEP when we played him in 2000 like that. We didn't look at Rice when we played them in 2000 like that. We didn't look at Kansas week one of the big 12 schedule. We did not look at Kansas and be like, they had a guy who was a safety. They called him the butcher. I I don't know. I I just remember he was an NFL guy. They called him the butcher so that week in practice. We're like, cool, when I'm in that guy's zone or if he's over me, I got to make sure I I watch out because he'll try to decapitate me. Aside from that, we weren't sweating them like we sweated Texas. We just didn't. We were more worried about prepping for Texas. And, of course, we almost lost that KU game. But does does, does the point make sense? The fans want our guys to be robots against inferior talent where our coaches want our guys to rise up and just beat inferior opponents and not have to depend on schemes so much as they will in the end of September and October.
0: So here's what I, I would ask you. Um, and this kind of takes us into looking at the receivers as well. You had to obviously learn a, a brand new scheme in 99 when, when Leach came in to Oklahoma. And I would imagine that of course things progressed th- throughout, you know, summer, fall, uh, you guys were able to understand it more, but it probably got a little different fall camp. Uh, you obviously got more reps in the scheme, But then you got to games and seeing being a spectator, you don't necessarily know what this feels like. But I'm curious, is there any level of, yes, you know, the playbook, but maybe this one thing, this one play, this one call, maybe there's a change or some nuance to it. So there's a little bit of uncertainty. How much of there? how much weight can we put into just not being willing to necessarily commit. Some of these guys on a certain play or a certain call, maybe they're thinking about it a little bit too much. Can, can we put any weight to that? And I kind of lead that into the receivers as well. Uh, Mims had a really good game. Obviously broke loose a few times. They were able to get him on a couple deep balls. The the deep ball that Gabriel throws is very nice. It's um, nice. A tight spiral. They drops that thing in a bucket. He doesn't miss open guys. I mean, how many times last year we obviously are talking about Gabriel compared to to Caleb and how many times did Caleb miss quite a few open receivers um, a year ago? And I even saw it in the USC game play out where he had some guys should have been a pretty easy completion for a guy with his level of arm talent, um, his quick of a release. But what kind of weight can we put into just not quite being fully confident yet in, in what we're running, particularly offensive line and receivers.
1: Let me ask you a question, B. You're you're a you're an expert or a professional when it comes to um health and sports science, yes? Yes. Okay. Um so I wanna I wanna I wanna use an analogy in the, in the form of an Olympic lift, which is a snatch from the ground. Let's do an Olympic snatch. You're teaching a 20 year old. So we're not teaching a kid, but let's just say a 20 year old. That way it's apples to apples, college kid. You're teaching a college kid how to do a snatch from the floor and he's never done it before. Right. And let's say you start doing that. I don't know in June. The question I have for you is this. Uh, Let me take that back. Let's say you start in January, January of 2022. So this year, do you expect his snatch to look perfect? um in August of 2023 or do you expect it to, to look substantially better in August of September 24 or September 22 or August of September of 2023
0: here's what the reality will be the the reality will be if it's January 22 when he is learning the movement he will have some level of competency later in that 2022 year He might know the position he needs to get to. He might know um, where the bar needs to be at certain points, but what they won't know that they won't have a grasp of until 23, 24 years of working that movement. You won't have the understanding of the nuance of the movement, where it needs to be for your body, what, what positions you need to hit and how to, Manage your your the mental side, right? Lifting heavy weight with a snatch is very scary if you're only six to eight months in it. When you're comfortable and have confidence, you're not afraid to, you know, pull yourself up under that bar, commit to driving those hands up into the ceiling and just owning that position.
1: I asked you that question because that was a very difficult lift for me to master. Hand cling. Mm -hmm. From a hanging position or for the floor, I was good. Even a snatch from a clean position, I was good. I was good at snatching from a hang clean position. When they told me to pick the bar from the floor, and it, for me, it took me—I don't know—six months to even trust. And like you said, they couldn't put more than twenty-five pounds on either side of the bar at that point, just because I didn't trust the technique, right? And so I use that analogy because it took me a couple years. I didn't snatch from the floor in high school. We didn't do Olympic lifting. We didn't have that as an actual um, sport in California. And so my coaches taught me how to snatch. And I had a I had a world-class track coach. James Logan High School was world-class in track and field. We had a world-class coach. He just didn't have us do it because we were kids. He had a snatch and clean from his cleaning position. So how does that relate to what we're talking about here? These guys know where they're supposed to be. They know I'm supposed to get to 13 and then I'm supposed to stick my foot in the ground or I'm supposed to pitter pad and give him a head fake or I'm supposed to, you know, whatever the case may be. But they haven't had enough live rounds either in practice or even in the first two games of the season to really understand coverage, to really understand, okay, the DBs at five versus seven. Or I've seen this happen 10 times. Over the course of the last year watching film during 707 in spring practice and summer camp, where we're going to get we're going good on good against our own guys in fall camp. And I remember when we played Notre Dame last year and I ran this um where was that play? I ran X Sarge left and I ran into my line. By the way, we probably beat Notre Dame in ninety nine, if not for me. Uh, people won't if if someone has the game by the way this is second quarter but we run a, a screen and I my I don't run my steps correctly because it's my first year right I'm thinking about what I have to do not the nuances and I didn't get deep enough I'm one yard deep instead of two yards deep and bam I run right into Matt Anderson and I look up and there's no one they split like the Red Sea I probably get to high step and say I scored a 66 yard touchdown against Notre Dame the point is in '99. I couldn't just in my sleep retrace my steps and do exactly what I needed to do. I was thinking, okay, I got to take two steps and I got to retrace my steps. I got to be a yard to two yards off the, oh, damn, the ball's coming. I got to catch it. I catch the ball. I'm a yard too far up the field. It's just one yard, Barry. It's one yard. And, and, and the lineman's job is the one count on the count of two. They're looking for a first face. Uh, Matt and Matt, Matt O'Neill, excuse me. It's Matt O'Neill. Matt O'Neill's coming to kill the backer. And he does. He just happens to kill me too in the process. So when we talk about why it doesn't look amazing yet, these guys are, they're thinking. And when you're thinking, you're not just playing off instinct. That's why you got to give guys like stuntsmen, And you got to give guys like majors and you got to give guys like mims. You got to give them props because they're coming in and playing in a very natural space where in reality, we're still installing on both sides of the ball. On both sides of the ball, I'm 100 confident. Coach Coach V is not running everything in the defensive arsenal because he wants to make sure the foundation is strong. So, so, so I want I, you know I went around in the circle there. But to your question, it's it's gonna look different. And and here's the beauty: it has to look different in eight quarters. That's why I say give us eight more quarters, right? Let us get through the Nebraska game and then let us actually see the entire K State game. And then I will assess because if in those eight quarters, we're seeing some of the same problems we have now, I'm 100 percent confident there's going to be some changes and I'm 100 percent confident the scheme is going to be minimalized or there's going to be components where they're going to say, okay, what are we good at? Let's do those. What are we not good at? Let's not do those. Whether it be zone man, whether it be mixing coverages, whether it be mixing blitzes, whether it be personnel who blitz versus personnel who doesn't, all of that stuff is still in the actual mixing bowl right now. Coach is still stirring all those ingredients together and saying, what do we have? And to a lesser degree, Levy's doing that on offense and Roof's doing it on defense. And even to a lesser degree, the position coaches are doing that. And even the analysts and the GAs, uh, all of those guys, they're still saying, what do we have? And so to to that, uh, yeah, it's going to look different this year. And next year, our guys will have gotten better. They will have had an off season. They will have gotten older. They will have gotten stronger. Hopefully some of them faster. Some of them lost weight. But part of that is just the residual impact of being in the same system in year two. Um, I understand that part because like you said, Barry, I went through it. And I remember in 2001, Mark said, you heard Mark say when he came in on our interview, Games were sometimes easier than practice. And I'm talking like half the season because one, we went hard in practice and we went against a freaking ridiculous defense. We didn't know how good they were in 2000. But like when you look at it, it's like, holy shit, we had All Americans and Buckus and Outland Trophy winners and, and Thorpe winners and all these, right? We had All Americans all over the place right marking those guys are going against Brodney and going against you know Teddy and T uh a T Mark or not T Marshall but L Mitch and I mean they they're going against studs D straight perk like they got dudes over there so you know I I I um I told somebody it still doesn't feel good I don't want to give up third and seven I don't want the quarterback to miss the window or the receiver to keep running through the window instead of stopping where he's supposed to but I understand like I I went through that Right. In 2000, the story I kept telling you guys about with Texas and in ninety nine, I get jammed and they, they we throw a pick. Guess what I would have done in 2000. You know what I would have done in 2000? I would not have asked Coach Spurrier. Hey, Spurrier, do I have to go inside? I would have went outside. I would have beat his technique. I would have cut across his face. I would have caught the freaking ball and I would have asked for sympathy on the end. And, and you know what Coach Spurrier would have said? He would have gave me two pluses and one minus. And then he would pat patted me on the back and say, good job, Mackie." So like the guys are still in that area where they don't have enough confidence yet in what they're supposed to do to just make that decision. In 99, I didn't feel comfortable to be like, yo, coach, I just beat his technique because he was giving me the outside and I could stem him and give him a stick to the corner and then, you know, cross his face. I, I didn't have the confidence to say that or to do it in 99 In 2000. We, did, we didn't even have to ask anymore. If a guy played this inside technique, we ran an outside curl you know what i'm saying so that is the part where you know let's take a deep breath these guys are getting coached by a plus caliber leaders these guys are proven records we don't have any like no no disrespect i'm a niners fan so i love uh george kittle but we don't have his dad coaching us this year it's not like a dude just came in and you know what i'm saying doesn't know his stuff we've got we've got quality coaching and i i i tend to believe in that coaching because i know about the leadership that leadership is somebody who i've i've been up close and personal with and seeing how he galvanizes the room and seeing his attention to detail so i i i feel i feel pretty good about it
0: you touched on it and i want to move to the other side of the ball with with this in mind because i i feel like the the comparison um is maybe apropos here but the defense had its struggles early at the end of the day they still gave up 3 points. Granted there was a missed field goal but you know you, you you'll take it. 3 yes, sacks. Did. Yeah, you 3 sacks on the day. Felt <laughs> like there was consistent pressure. I believe they ended up with 14 TFLs. Obviously had the Justin Harrington interception, Billy Bowman forces a fumble which was an aggressive play. It was what well, we talked early in the season but before Game started, and you said it. You said football is a take-it game. You, you, you said adamantly that if you don't go into the game, and we I believe we were discussing the defensive side of the ball, if that is not your mentality, you are going to lose more than you win. And that was a great demonstration of what a take-it mindset, an aggressive mindset, looks like. Harrington, you know he, he bobbles the ball a little bit, but able to hold on to it. Those are plays that you have to be engaged with what's going on the field and you got to be an athlete. you got to be able to go make that play. But in, in 2000, you guys had the defense that would later on hold Florida State one of the best offenses in the country that year to two points. But early on in the season, first conference game, you guys were struggling a little bit. Um, and on wow. both sides of the ball. You about to bring that up. Wow. I know where you're going here. This guy's gonna bring that up. Got it. Okay.
1: Go and ahead. Go ahead. This saying, was this
0: saying. was a home game. I think you know where I'm going. <laughs> this was a home game. And I was actually at this game, which is why wow. it really comes to mind. Yep. Uh, I believe how old would I have been maybe 11 years old. I don't want to make you feel old or anything, but I'm I was maybe a good. L-
1: I Hey, I there you I go. Perfect. <laughs> so,
0: so you guys were playing uh Kansas. Hey. And let me for our much younger audience. This wasn't like awful awful Kansas that we've had the past like decade. Although they look like they're on the upswing beating West Virginia, but it was a game for you guys. Came out 34 to 16. You guys were able to finally pull away in the second half. But we know that you guys had a team. Like there is no doubt that there was talent and the right mindset on that team, but you guys went out there in the first half and there was just struggles on both sides of the ball. Relate that to kind of what we saw with Kent State um in this first half, uh particularly going defense, but you can, you know, circle back to the offense if you'd like. Uh, but I think the fans would like to know what, what kind of comparison or optimism can we draw from that?
1: First off, screw you. he brought up KU. Yeah. So, you know, what, man, I think that's a phenomenal, I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal analogy. And here's why <laughs> I told a story. Uh, sheesh, man, I've told it a couple of times, but anyway, here, Here's something crazy, Barry. God, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but this was a long time ago. KU Week 2000 season is the very first week we ever, ever, ever incorporate an additional, I think we did like 90 minutes or maybe it was two hours, but we started getting up on Monday mornings and Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m., And Coach was really smart about it. Like, these are the things that people don't understand that make all the difference. We start, and by the way, it's mandatory, but it's not mandatory, but it's mandatory. You already know where I'm going with that, right? Like, it's the whole Schmitty thing. Yeah, summer workouts are not mandatory, but they're mandatory. Got it. So we've got these 6 a.m. film sessions, and they're not mandatory, but they're mandatory. And obviously coach was smart enough to get the captains to buy in. They brought the message to us. They told us, we're going to kick your ass if you don't come or we're going to, you know, whatever, like you're not going to get respect. We won't respect you as a championship caliber sooner. Coach didn't have to do it. Our, 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 our leaders did it. And they were also smart enough to make it fun. Receivers bring candy, linemen bring, you know, whatever those things from Chick-fil-A are, what are those chicken minis? Like, so like we made a thing of it the first couple of weeks. Well, that KU. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing to say i hope i don't get i ain't gonna get in trouble but that ku week guess what we were studying that ku KU week take a guess take a guess we were studying freaking texas yeah we were freaking studying texas and so and so mind you um that doesn't mean we didn't have a KU scouting report. That doesn't mean we didn't know that they had a all-conference safety. That doesn't mean you know we the defense didn't know they had a couple receivers. One of their receivers played high school football with Brandon Pryor and and uh, Andre Wolfolk in Colorado. And by the way, he scores an eighty-yard touchdown on us on a seam route. He beats us through the seam. Boom! He catches it. He goes to the house. So I don't want to disqualify the fact that we were ill-prepared for the KU's of the world because we were not. They were a decent team. I want to say they were three and one going into that game. So it was like you said, they weren't, they weren't trash per se, but we were getting ready to go through red October. We were getting ready to play a top 10, Texas, um, a top five K state and a top and and the number one team in America, Nebraska. And (laughs) here's the part that, again, these pair, I, I love this question. I freaking love this question because we play UTEP that year Uh, Week two, we play Arkansas State, and I want to say we have a bye week three, and then we play KU, and then we play Texas. I may have missed somebody. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. We play Rice week three. Yep, so we've got UTEP, Arkansas State, Rice, KU. Watch this. Watch this. Guess how clean a game we had uh, offensively the first three weeks going into KU. Do you think we averaged in the '90s as an offense, in the '80s as an offense, or in the '70s as an offense? Mind you, we blew all three teams out. Like we beat all three handedly. We I don't I don't think I played in the fourth quarter of any of those games. I, in fact, I know I didn't. What do you think we graded as an offense? Eight, 90s, '80s, or '70s?
0: I, I'm gonna go '80s, but but well, we'll, we'll, high, we'll 70s. high '70s, high '70s, okay, high okay.
1: '70s. So so the symptoms are telling us what? To this level of competition, Ooh. we can win. But if we play at this level against a top 10 Texas, a top 5K state, and a, and a number one team in America, it's a high likelihood that the season will end like 99. ended. remember 99 before Texas, we're undefeated. We don't lose a game. Like, like you know what I'm saying? We got to start connecting dots here. We don't lose a game to Texas until Texas. And we get ahead up to Texas. We're ahead like 17-7, to maybe 21-7. So we're in the second quarter and we're on the sideline like, oh, yeah, this is easy. This is fun. But guess what? Preparation caught up to us. Texas made adjustments. Man, I remember three plays in that game that, cho- that changed the total trajectory of that game. And then they had a DN by a kid by the name of Aaron Humphrey. And all of a sudden we couldn't block him. He's a monster coming off the left side of the offense. But let's get back to what you're saying about KU. That KU week, we probably spent. An hour of the ten hours, and it wasn't ten hours. It was four hours. It was two hours Mondays and Tuesdays. So we probably spent I don't know thirty minutes talking. Ku. The other three and a half hours was dedicated to Texas, hundred percent.
0: That's interesting.
1: Hundred percent, right? And 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 what we what we ended up doing is creating a culture. So guess what happens Texas week? Texas week we are three and a half hours ahead of schedule. Monday we don't have to watch. Um, Three hours of Texas film. So on Mondays, we watch our game film again as a position and then we watch the opponent for about an hour. Right. So Monday's like it's like four hours of film. It's only an hour on the field. We're only on the field and we're in shelves, you know, sometimes no hats and it's an hour. Monday's about, you know, scoring out the past opponent and then prep for the upcoming opponent. We didn't have to spend three hours prepping for Texas because we had already done that. So now we got to get into the nuances sooner. Hey, when we run 96 switch, hey, DMAC, instead of running a curl on 96 switch this week, we want you to run a dig. Don't stop. We want you to push it because they run more man. Hey, when we run brown F sweep, hey, we usually want you to crack the corner or crack the safety. Don't. Run the corner off and then act like you're running an outside post and take him out of the play and then go try to get the safety. We want the corner to turn around like every like we nuanced the plays in a way we didn't nuance the plays against Kansas, the way we didn't nuance the plays against Rice, the way we didn't nuance the plays against the UTEPs and the Arkansas states of the world. And so when you see a Kansas game and you say, what the hell happened between Kansas and Texas? How did they barely beat Kansas? And then all of a sudden we ran 63 to 14 preparation. I knew when, when, um, Jammer lined up on me, how to address him. They had a DB named Jackson. He was a small guy. Oh no. Ahmed Brooks. That was his name. His name was a med Brooks, smaller guy, kind of a pesty guy. I remember like he was a guy who, and he's the guy who got the pick on me in 99. In fact, he, <laughs> he got the interception. We knew, okay. When Brooks is on me, I can beat him with speed. Cause he's a four, six guy. When Jammer's on me, Dude's running a four-four, long-ass arms. He's strong as hell, right? I gotta be physical, match his physicality, or I can't let him get his hands on me. I didn't do that with no damn Kansas DBs. Are you kidding me? Like Coach Spurrier, for like Coach, he's 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 covered. Like Coach would be like, get out, Mackie. Uh, somebody else go in. Like we were expected to beat the guy in front of us. The end. Like, seriously, bro, I'm not I'm not sugarcoating it and I'm not trying to make our coaches seem like they weren't attention to detail. But Oklahoma should line up against a Kent State and say, dude, we're running a double post because they're showing a one high safety or a two high safety. And we want the play side safety to pick either take the post or take the dig. And one of us should win just by the play design. We don't need to, like, scheme. Look, this, we, we didn't do that. So. Yeah, man i i i i like what that you said that i'm i'm kind of pissed off that you brought that up because if you're <laughs> gonna bring up 2000, do will bring up Kansas, bro. Like, dude, they they actually almost beat us, bro. Like for real, we were kind of like low key in trouble. But it's interesting because that is the week that we started implementing um, the flat out additional prep time so that we could really nuance and 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 pay attention to details when it came to our opponent.
0: What's even more interesting, and I started thinking about this as you uh, were talking about it and talking about preparation, is Coach Venables, last week during his uh, coach's show that he does midweek with uh, Toby and Teddy, they asked him how, I believe it was Monday, Monday or two, I think it's Monday, they said, how did practice go? And UTEP week, his answer was great. It was awesome. This past week, he said, I believe the direct quote was solid. And then <laughs> in his coach's show this uh, last night yet yeah, that aired yesterday uh, that he does with Dean, um, which man, Dean was he kept calling Josh Norman Curtis. I don't mean to blast Dean here on the air, but Curtis uh, Lofton was on the show previously, and he kept calling Josh Curtis like, like three or four times. It was hilarious. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, beside the point, Coach Venables on there says that he had to tell the players midweek his analogy was the stove is hot. Basically, Coach Venables is very transparent. Something, by the way, I don't think we'd ever hear, you know, the previous guy say. He said he felt like the focus wasn't necessarily where it needed to be midweek. And he, he thinks that that contributed to some extent to the first half. Just the, the mindset wasn't quite where it needed to be. Uh, the the energy wasn't where it needed to be. But man, second half that seemed to get turned around. And defensively, what we saw a, a swarming defense that in the second half tackled better, did a lot of the things better. Uh, I just want to go down the the levels here, but defensive line the, personally, as long as Stutzman, I think they stole the show in terms of just being um relatively dominant at the point of attack uh creating penetration when you look at this defensive line through the last eight quarters and then a, a secondary too has hasn't given up a touchdown pass yet on the season uh which is pretty incredible you know given OU's history uh in the secondary but staying with the defensive line uh what have you seen uh through these last eight
1: quarters I'm excited about that crew, man. I was down on them. Um, I wasn't hearing great Intel on those guys throughout the summer and in fall camp. And um, a lot of expectation and seeing if guys were performing, the lights come on. I, I, I like what I seen out of co 94 is, is, is a disruptive player. He's gotten, he's gotten home a couple times and I think he has two sacks on the season. Um, and he's playing in a very disruptive way. I like 77 Johnson, A uh, big. Early aggressive kid. Again, I I I said that Coach Venables likes to play on the offensive side of the line of scrimmage. He wants to be at the offense having to get ten point five to eleven yards just to get going. And and Johnson's a guy who will lean on you. Um, and you know he's not splitting double teams so much, but he is just an aggressor. Again, making some great tackles in the backfield. Um, at the D tackle side, on the D tackle side, it's cool to see Kelly and Ellison getting there. And also, those guys are, you know, if you if you watch film, uh, they can split double teams. They can get skinny in the A gap and slide in between and beat a shoulder and do an arm over or a swim and get into the backfield and in the backfield and flash. And so, seeing those guys gain confidence, I again, I hadn't seen that since like. Like McCoy, GK, like I can't remember the last time we had multiple D linemen who just used that technique to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. At DN, man, it's cool to see an alpha emerge. Um, Grimes is showing us that, you know, UTEP was not... um a mistake or a fallacy or a farce, you know, him coming in again, he he had a couple that he, sh- he should have had at least another sack. He, okay. he flat out misses another sack that, that he probably has in his back pocket. But here's what I love when guys like him flash this early in the season, they start to make a name for themselves. And, and look, it's not an accident that you'll have a team with like three or four or five all conference guys. And then a team with like one or none, we need the grimes of the defense to be players so that, you know, a stuntsman can get it, even though he's going to be a, I don't know if a stunt's going to be a junior or sophomore. Um, but my point is, the kid's going to play like an all-conference kid, but sometimes the politics come into play. But when you got other guys balling with you, it, it kind of lends to you getting the nudge, right, the nod. So Grimes being that alpha dog, we'll see what happens against Nabish. Now, Nabish is obviously they just lost to <laughs> Nebraska lost to Georgia Southern. How oh. is this possible? Like what? Like, uh, you could you don't understand the dudes we had to play against when we played those guys. But um the one guy that I'm really interested in right now is uh is Downs. I mean, man, he looks like he looks like he man out there. He looks like an action figure, mo- muscles bulging out of like he has muscles bulging out of his shoulder pads. Like, bro, how, how how is that possible? Like your shoulder pads. I can see like delts and stuff bulging out of your pads. He looks a couple biscuits away from being a three tech man. Uh, he's still got a great motor. He's a plus athlete. I think for a D lineman, he's a plus athlete. I don't know if in 2022 he's a plus DN athlete. I don't know. All right, his his motor is always gonna help him, and he he has short area quickness, which is what's needed to be a very uh successful D lineman. But I had a higher uh I had higher expectations for him, and and I think he has higher expectations for himself. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is Downs a captain?
0: Uh, yes, I believe he was. They do they're doing captains a little different this right. year. Yeah, they're yeah, switching but I believe he was.
1: Yeah, I feel like Downs was a captain. I, I feel like Downs went down with them to Fort Worth. I don't know if they still go to the to the the Big Twelve deal out in Texas or if they moved it, but like I feel like he went with them. Like Downs is a dude. He's a guy that they're depending on, and he's a he's a he's a program guy. So I know he wants and expects higher of himself. If I said, "Hey, if I had a chance to interview him," and I said, "Hey, Ethan, let me ask you a question: Who's a better player, you or Grimes?" I believe he would say, "Grimes better bring it." Well, the numbers suggest it's not close right now. The The eyeball test suggests it's not close right now. So, you know, seeing how he progresses through the year, I'm not I'm by no means saying he shouldn't get the playing time he's getting. He's a he's a plus player. He's a damn good player. But I had expectations of him being a real dude. Go back for the puppy. Uh, Mason Thomas, uh, you know, he came he he came with a lot of uh, ballyhoo for for fall camp and. I think, you know, he flashes still, man. He's got that bend. He's got the burst off the ball, but he's playing against grown men versus high school kids. And I think that he's got to kind of lick his wounds and figure out how to deal with big, strong, fast, athletic, more technically sound. Uh, He's going against right tackles primarily. Um, But the D line, man, it's, it's a pleasant surprise. It's I, like you said, I actually enjoy watching them, bro. Like they're fun to watch. They, they aren't Georgia esque. Okay. They're not the 2001 squad that had KK and dusty and Tommy and the rest of the crew. Like they're not, you know, Bobo and those guys from 2001, but. Those guys are going to be the guys that laid the foundation for us having a ridiculous. I watched Clemson play Georgia Tech last week. I think they have the best D line in college football this year. The the the, the Clemson D line that that Bates and Coach V left, and I can see, man, that's what we have to look forward to in the next couple of years.
0: Well, watching Clemson uh, play, while well, watching Georgia play, that there's still a step up that that notch that they're they're not quite at yet. But you see it in the recruiting. You see it in the vision of what the defense can become. Uh, in, in this game, this past game, we saw, saw Stutzman. You know, He's now put two really solid games on film. Guy ended up with a ton of tackles. Felt like he lived in the backfield. He's committing when he, he's shooting that gap. There was one play where he stretched out the running play shot the gap, wrapped up, brought the guy down for I think it was a yard gain. He had multiple of those. Um he he plays low. He 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 plays with good vision. Um what have you seen? Obviously he was highlighted as one of the defensive players of the game. I believe uh uh Teddy on the broadcast had him as his defensive MVP for the game. I think Bowman was also very close. Um but what 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 do you see Out of Stutzman and the other linebackers and how much of an impact, honestly, does the defensive line playing like they are fitting the run like they are? How much does that change the ability for those linebackers to have success?
1: Can I ask a qualifying question? Go for it. Are we asking about Stutzman or Stutzman and the other linebackers?
0: And the other linebackers.
1: Okay, got it. I just want to make sure I, I, I knew where we were headed. Okay. Uh Stuntsman's <laughs> the best linebacker we've had in a decade. The wow. Partner. Okay. Stuntsman Stutzman Stuntsman has the I, Listen, I haven't talked to Low since I was up there a couple uh Curtis Loft. I haven't talked to him since I've been up there, but Curtis had one amazing season. Stuntsman's set up to have two or three minimum. So I, I, I would eat, I would put his potential higher than even Lofton's, even though Lofton had the man, he had a, he had a season for the ages, but it was a season. And talking about a program and trajectory, just stuntsman's in a different hemisphere and the impact he could potentially have. He's amazing in space. He's extremely physical, but here's what I love about him because of the new age linebacker. Like the new age linebacker isn't about being ultra physical. The the new age linebacker is about playing in space and being a physical when you get to the ball carrier. Like we, this is a '99 where you go seek contact and you're the guy from program who's busting his head through you know uh, glass windows of cars. Like that that ain't what we doing in 2022. And Stuntsman's a kid who I or a young man who I I see. When he has to, you know, be physical in the hole and, and take on a, um, and, and this is again, a lot of teams aren't running power like they were running 20 years ago, but he'll see some Saturday and he'll definitely see some against K-State. k State's going to pull the guard and see if he if he, you know, he's going to stick his nose in there. But he's physical when he needs to be. But man, he flies around and he trusts his instincts. He's a backer who compared to the other two. And again, I I don't I don't mean to bad talk our Sooners because I love our Sooners, but I just gotta tell you what my eyes see. When you talk about DU and white. They don't even get a chance to pull the trigger because they don't put themselves in a position where they have a chance. It's like the bullets are on the table and the gun is on the dresser. They wait for the opposing person that has a knife to get within an arm's length. And then it's like it's too late, right? Like you've got to grab the bullet, stick it in the gun, cock the gun before the person with the knife can get to you. It's like they wait. And I don't understand it because I've seen it for three years for 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 23. Duntsman doesn't do that stuntsman diagnoses, that diagnosis and he simply says i'm middle backer i'm supposed to go a gap to b gap to c gap and hit whoever's in the way on the way to the wall like there's nothing to talk about whereas the other i was watching a play somebody posted on the internet uh anyway the play didn't have anything to do with d white but it had to do with someone else and they were like look this other person got dominated and i'm looking at the play and i'm like 23 is the uncovered middle backer and he has leverage pre-snap on the ball carrier and he doesn't get there and there's no action away. Well, there is a little action, but the ball is clearly given to the running back. I'm like, how is it that the running back was probably, the running gap was on the backside B gap. White is his head up on the football. They run the ball to the play side, uh, essentially the alley. And the running back, like literally white doesn't make it. And, I'm, and I watch and he's sure enough, he hitches, he hitches. And then he starts running. Like it took him to one, 1,000, one Everyone else is moving. He's still kind of pat, 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 boom. And then he went and you just can't do that, right? You got to know your keys. You got to be uh, aggressive and you got to be, a, you got to be what's called uh, cutting grass. You've got to be cutting off that angle and so back to our guy, twenty-eight man. I, it's cool to see another twenty-eight who's going to go out there and be a, a ridiculous player for us. I think Stutzman stays healthy. He's an I think he's an All American caliber talent. Depending on how well the defense plays. He's the kind of guy that if our defense is top 20 in the nation and, you know, we're a top five team, he will accumulate enough tackles, enough negative plays. I I wish he got the pick last week, but he's going to he's going to undercut somebody. Um, he's going to jump in a window or one of those D linemen are going to get pressure as a quarterback throws the ball. And he's going to he's going to kind of catch a deflected pass. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets if he gets loose with it. I wouldn't be surprised if he boogies and he finds himself in the end zone. So so there's that. 23 and two are solid, 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 uh, depth players. We need to find better players to be a championship caliber team. Again, it's, it's it's like saying we're going to be everything we need to be with Armand Spence playing linebacker on our, in our 2000 national championship season. Most people are like, who, who's that exactly? He was a guy who was a fringe starter, uh, and Rex Ryan's, um, 46 defense he by the way, good ball player big strong fast aggressive guy, but he didn't diagnose plays at the caliber Rocky did and so in 99 you've got Brandon Moore, you've got Torrance Marshall and Rocky's in 98 you guys I mean as a freshman Rocky came in and played well Rocky's it was Rocky versus Armand for that position. Right. And really, because Rocky dominated that position, it pushed Brandon Moore to Sam's. Brandon Moore was the Mike backer in our 46 defense, and he was a damn good one. Hence, he went and played like eight years in the NFL, played a bunch of years for the 49ers um, early 2000s. So, Brandon, by the way, six, three, two fifty four 250 five on pro day. OK, so Brandon, Brandon Moore is like a, a freaking stud. Rocky took his spot. Well, Torrance took his spot and Rocky took the spot he was supposed to move to. So Brandon had to move to Sam and then Armand Spence sat on the bench and then left. So the point is when you got a guy who he's, not, you know, these aren't minus players. These aren't guys that are like, you know, uh, they're not tech good. They're probably a starter at tech. They're probably a starter at TCU. But like at OU, we got to do better. There's enough film that suggests they're going to be. A minus in space. So when you got Deuce coming up with K-State and you got Bijan coming up with UT, I'm just telling you, when those guys don't grab grass and they're leaving air open for Bijan to have cutback lanes, for Bijan to be able to give them wiggle one-on-one because they're four yards away versus a yard and a half away, it turns into 50-yard touchdowns. It, that's that's the difference. And then you you add number seven to the mix um I, I was watching so I, I didn't get to watch the game i watched the game on sunday and, and of course i'm like uh right 23 and two or by the way 23 got some, some some time at high safety we'll probably discuss that a little bit but seven comes in and i think it's about eight minutes in the game I, you know i didn't like i'm not the guy who's gonna write down the possession by possession but i believe it's at about the eight minute mark in the fourth quarter Kent State runs a play that they run with success to Deshaun and DU side a couple of times earlier in the game. And, you know, my inclinations are telling me like, oh, God, they're going to make seven yards because it's the same look I've seen before. And number seven in the game, he literally sees the ball handed off knows his responsibility is b-gap he runs straight through the hole he doesn't give the running back enough time to to get the hand off and then give him juice and, and have an angle to to make him have to go both ways and he just clobbers the kid boom and it's like well damn the scheme works the player in the scheme is just not executing with enough speed because it's this exact same defense. We're Vanilla, where He's playing 5 yards off the ball. He's on the he's on the backside B gap. He is. He's on the backside, but he's on the weak B gap. Kanik is and they run this little play with a the, the linemen pull the other direction so it's designed to take the middle back out right of the play. He's got to read the back, the guards pulling and they're coming back away from the pulling guards and Cannick sees it. And he just runs right and the B gap is probably three yards at this. It's not like a a half a a half a yard hole. No, 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 no. All the flow of the of the defense is going the other way because they're following their keys with the pulling guards. But the backside backer has to stay home. He sees it and it leaves you in space. Man, can it cancel the angle? And not only did he cancel the angle, not only did he force him inside, he made the tackle and not only did he make the tackle, boom, he's down right there. That part is, I don't care if you're a pup, I don't care if you're a junior, I don't care if you're undersized, I don't care what your physical attributes are. That's a mental aspect of the game that we need more of. And film has just stated again, it's not to to piss on these guys. You know, again, they're Sooners. If I ever see them, they probably wouldn't like me. But I'm just telling the truth. They have to play better in space, and they have to react quicker. They have to.
0: You know, I think. Going back to the, the the previous regime a little bit, and you really can't talk about what's on the field today without bringing that up. Uh, we've kind of touched on it lightly, but I I feel like there was a maybe an issue with how they evaluated if a guy could change direction or not. And I feel like with some guys that because they they recruited Stutzman, I feel like they got lucky but it felt like they didn't exactly always know what they needed to look for. And one thing I will say, what I've gleaned from kind of talking to you, is there are very specific KPIs with how um, Schmidt runs his offseason, with how the players are trained, with how things are done, where they know their guys who have those capabilities or not, You know whether or not those guys are the... One seeing the field, that they know where guys are when it comes to to those skill sets, to to those natural and then developed abilities. And th- those are obviously key at the linebacker position. But one of the areas where we've seen a lot of growth um, in this team from last year to this year and going back better part of a decade, is in the secondary. What we saw, again, Jaden Davis have a really solid game. Guy's been a very, very sure tackler. I think he had a couple moments, if I remember right, but in general, that you have not seen guys get by him. He wraps up well. Uh, Woody Washington, I believe, was on Cephas. I'd say probably 80 to 90 percent of the night um had him out there on that side. And then Absent Key Lawrence, that was kind of a late game deal. A lot of people weren't aware. He showed up wearing wearing the street clothes, rocking the jersey with no pads. Uh, But Billy Bowman had himself a game. Uh, And then, of course, the cheetah position uh, was a lot of swapping in and out on that. And Harrington had himself a second half uh, where he showcased what he could be. Uh, Where do you think the secondary is at? What? roles do you think are solidified where he's the man he's the man wait and see here um how do you think they look right now and then maybe in that too deep who are guys who you're just absolutely going to see in the rotation and have to see in the rotation for this team to achieve the goals they want to achieve
1: five and zero are cemented all conference caliber players by the way What's the receiver's name from Kent State? The the NFL guy, what's his name? Uh, Cephas. Uh he ran I, a what, – what number is he, 11? What was his number? Th-
0: oh, man. Uh, I want to say he was four, but I couldn't remember. Okay. It might be 11.
1: All I know is he runs a bang-eight post. That's the play he gets the 24, 24 yards on. They ran some action. He runs the bang-eight post, and Woody misses, if you remember. Woody misses him. He he, he gets inside of Woody, and Woody kind of um, tries to take a tackle. But anyway, kids are stuck. Woody. Is 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 all conference caliber player Um, If the defense remains the way it is. I believe he doesn't even have to get six or seven interceptions just because he's our lockdown guy who has previous year pedigree and he's earned it. So if the defense stays the way it is, he continues to play the way he plays. I think one or two interceptions and a couple more key plays. He's a guy who's going to get all conference and he should be in a conversation for all American, depending on what other guys do in other conferences. Billy Bowman is everything we thought he would be. I think there was a probably a cohort of Sooner fans who says the guy's a high safety plan. Did you not see him in high school and what he could do? Like the film was glaring what the guy could do at high safety when he's playing in Denton, you know, in in the 2020 season. Like, dude, what are we doing? Um all-conference caliber player. I think he's a guy, if he keeps it up, we got to see what happens when the competition level raises. Keeps it up, he's going to be a guy who is also going to play on Sunday. Uh, Davis, man, you know, I was high on Davis as a freshman. His first game as a Sooner, he got a pick. I don't remember who he played, but his very first game he gets a pick. And he played, He, in, in my opinion, he played with really high instincts. I think he kind of got beat up psychologically with the coaches and the scheme and no one really knowing – what to do with their job i like what i see of him um he's he's an unknown to me still right he has he's gotten challenged believe it or not right utep tried to pick on him a little bit um kent state you know they threw some screens and stuff out there with him he's a heady player he's playing with much more physicality but I, i can't get over the worthy play um he still pisses me off that he gave up outside leverage i don't know what the hell he was thinking on that play but he's earned it. He's played a good season. I think he's a one A type guy, and, and I think Graham, he and Graham battling it out in that in that uh, other corner position is is healthy. Right now, we talked about this earlier. Right, it's healthy to have that level of competition where you know one bad game you're out. Now that, that's that's what I experienced my entire time at OU. Ninety nine. Jarrell's a senior. I'm a freshman. I gave Jarrell healthy competition. Jarrell knew I was going to do everything right. Like he knew like, fuck, I can't mess up because Mackey's not going to miss the block. Like I just didn't. I just, I kept like, that's how I really approached the game 2000. It was me and Josh Norman, totally different players, big, strong, fast, long guy. I'm a quick jitterbug, kind of a after the catch kind of guy. And so that competition was very healthy for us. I think the Jaden Davis Graham competition's healthy. Uh, the other safety 25, I gotta I gotta say it, I can't be a hater my entire life. He made great plays going forward on Saturday. Granted, it's Kent State. I've seen him, you know, have his follies against some of the mid-level Big 12 teams in the previous years, previous regimes, but um, uh, someone told me earlier this summer that you can win with 25 or he plays winning football is what, what the actual, um, statement was. And thus far, I believe he has, he, for me, he's not a championship caliber starting safety. He's just not. And so love the kid had a great conversation with him. Um, we almost exchanged numbers didn't happen, but I, I, I think that he's a guy who you need to have as quality depth to be a, uh, a championship qual uh, caliber, offense but man if he's your mainstay you got problems so it's good that we got key right because key is a is a level he's just a level up he's a bigger stronger longer athlete key has played in the hole he's played corner for us and covered uh texas tech's top dude he shut him down last year like he shut down tech's dude that was killing everybody and, and key came out there and, and really gave him that work um so it's really good to have key back there at the safety position uh cheat is where it gets interesting Obviously, we've got D. White and uh and Harrington playing that spot. I don't know if you guys noticed, but when we went dime, uh, we had Bowman playing in the hole a bunch. In fact, when we had Broyles and, and White, you know, it's interesting, right? They had Bowman playing the strong side hole versus White. You would have thought they would have put Harrington and and White, as essentially a second cheat of the dime, the dime defender, uh, they didn't. They put Bowman in the hole on the strong side. And he played well. And so it was interesting to see. Bowman played all three safety positions on Saturday. He played all three positions well. He played all three positions aggressively. White played decent at high safety. I said this to somebody. If I were Kent State, and I saw him playing high safety, the easiest play to isolate him is twofold. I would have either lined up my best player in the slot and ran uh, a flag and sit concept. I We we play that cover two zone. I would have had the outside receiver run five yards and sit. I would have had him uh, <laughs> schemed up on my best receiver, and I'm, I'm stemming him for 10 yards, and then I'm running to the corner. It could oh, either wow. look like a fade, like like Link used, Leak used to run this play, but it looked like a fade, mm-hmm. where the receiver would stay and he would he would stay looking inside like like a fade. We used to run it like an actual corner. We would stick our foot and we would actually turn our head to the outside and run it like a corner. But either way, put any of those guys on a corner where they're isolated against a guy like Deshaun White, and he's a 4'6"-ish kind of a guy, and you've got an NFL-caliber guy against him, that would have been trouble. Um, the other thing I would have run is double posts. I'm just telling you, you run a cover two, you put two uh fast guys running the post, one's running below you, one's running above you, and your corner is gonna need help over the top because the corner in cover two is playing in a in a squat position, it, it would have been hell for him. Granted, they would have had to, I don't think they trusted their ability to block long enough for that. But you can't have you can't have Deshaun White as a high safety uh, as a long term fix for the Sooners. And and, it, and it, it goes back to what I said to you earlier, B. We can see based upon personnel that they were OK putting guys in a position that they would never do against Texas. I don't think there's a I don't think there's any way in heaven we put Deshaun White as our high safety against Texas. And we know that they got Whittington and Worthy on the other side. I just don't think we would even consider it yet against a Kent state. We say, you know what? We can probably just line up and play football and be okay. And we did, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so there's, there's that. I, I, I I'm going to continue to be on the Harrington, um, uh, campaign committee. Um, I think the kid is a difference maker. I think he's a championship caliber whole player, right? Playing that nickel position on the weak side, uh, where the two receivers are at. and. um you know, I think he has to continue to earn it. I don't want them to give it to him. I, I I want to see him on film be a dominator. But remember, week one, Deshaun White played three quarters. He played one. They had the same number of tackles. Uh, he made the more aggressive tackles. Week two, obviously, they were playing different positions. He made a game-changing play with an interception. Um, and again, was, was pretty stout. And his tackling and and his assignment football, he didn't have any glaring minuses that I could see uh, while he was in the game. Who knows if he missed a blitz or missed a check. Those are things that he would obviously be penalized for, too. But just between the whistles, 37 played a great game again. Uh, And I I don't think Deshaun White or 23 played a bad game. I don't like to say their names to me. It just feels bad when I say their names. So 23 didn't play a bad game. But, man, he's still late reacting to plays. And that's going to kill us against better competition. I think
0: this week we're going to find out a lot. Uh, obviously, those who follow the podcast know that today uh, we had a, a release of a our, We do a team preview where I'll talk to a writer uh, of a of a team, and today we were able to talk to Husker twenty four seven. Actually, a guy off twenty four seven Sports. Um, he was loves what we're doing on the podcast, and and wanted to get in there and kind of give his his thoughts on the Nebraska program in the upcoming game. And Nebraska is going to pose a few threats offensively. Defensively is where it's going to get hairy. The defense that was able to slow down Oklahoma a year ago was senior laden. They had multiple, uh, they they call them super seniors on that team, uh, multiple uh, number 25s, right? A ton of guys with just a lot of experience who are solid football players who know where to be, when to be there, and how to get the job done, and they also had those guys on offense. Uh, another you know, aspect to the game going in is now Scott Frost is gone, been removed as the head man. They did not even wait until the buyout got lessened, which... Yeah, Here's the theory on that, and, and this was uh, straight from the, the guy's mouth who was very well-connected. One of the things they were concerned about was putting that Nebraska program on live national television against Oklahoma and the potential for them getting wrecked, and every camera shot is of Scott Frost and the commentators. I believe Joel Klatt and Gus are doing this game. Uh, of those commentators constantly talking about his job and when he's going to get fired, and for recruiting that's not good, the outlook of the program that's not good, and they brought in a guy Mickey Joseph. He's the uh, interim guy. He was actually at LSU when LSU won their Natty uh, a while back. He was I believe nineteen was, or the one uh, 19, the earlier nineteen okay. with uh, Jamar Chase. I believe he coached uh, Chase and Jefferson. Uh, so and he's known as a phenomenal recruiter will he be the guy who takes the job unlikely but he can there's a lot of places in the country that would want him Uh, apparently he has great relationships with the guys and is is one of those almost um kale Gandhi type guys you know for that program a guy who's the lead recruiter uh seen uh, in high regard but offensively Casey Thompson's the guy. They have a running back who's pretty solid, who's almost about halfway to 1,000 yards already this year. But defensively, they didn't expect to be as bad as they are, but it's going to be interesting. However, offensively, I think we are going to find out what the depth chart, what that rotation is probably going to look like going forward because Nebraska is going to bring in the most talent you know according to the 24 7 composites and all that this will be the most talent OU will face so far this year by a pretty decent margin so what the rotations look like this Saturday I think will dictate things going forward uh Mac, I don't know how much you've watched of the Cornhuskers this year I've watched a little bit saw the Northwestern game Uh, saw a little bit of the georgia southern game i know they had a win over north dakota but i actually know a guy playing for that team and it was interesting i'll uh, maybe tell you later some of the things he, he said about them but i i think this is a game that could go one of two ways either nebraska makes a few plays early maybe they they get loose on a pass Maybe their run game, maybe Grant at the running back position breaks off a few runs and all of a sudden we're in another tight first half or OU goes into their first true road game under Coach Venables, has the mindset to go in and shut stuff down and dominates getting a little bit of revenge off of what was not the greatest performance a year ago. So how do you see this thing going, man?
1: Yeah, I, I think this is one of those us versus us deals. I don't, I, you know, we got to look at their personnel. They've got a good running back. Casey Thompson, man, he he killed us last year in the um Rare River uh shootout. They've got they've got a plus receiver. I saw the, I saw them, um, I saw the Northwestern game, week zero. I saw their week zero game against Northwestern. And so they've got some guys. So so here's how I address it, and I'm gonna make this real quick. We got to expect them to throw the kitchen sink at us fake, um, you know, reverses. They got to they're going to throw everything they have at us because they have nothing to lose. I wouldn't be surprised if they onside, if they fake punt, if they whatever, like all of that stuff. We just have to we just have to go into this week, not surprised that they may try anything. Like, just put it to bed. That way the, the guys don't have an excuse w- to say, I don't know. Let's over-prepare for that stuff. It doesn't hurt us to really get clear on that stuff. But at the end of the day, what you said is right. I want to see our guys line up and run our stuff and be dominant. Now, we should and probably will scheme a little more specifically to them, especially having had played them last year very tight, especially with them. Um like you said, having personnel much closer to our own. I would not be surprised if there are some tweaks and things that we do specifically for Nebraska. And here's the beauty, Barry. It also sets a precedent for us doing that come K-State and UT. So I think Coach treats this like a precursor to conference play and starts to provide those really – um Detailed nuances that make a huge difference. So I'm not gonna get caught up in the frost is fired. Uh I don't know, whatever the distractions are. One, let's just assume every fourth down, there's the potential for a fake. Every kickoff, there's the potential for a fake, every second and short. Even first play of a new drive, there's the potential for a trick play. Let's just assume that and put that to bed. And you guys need to be mature enough to understand that that's the potential. That that part is that part. Number two, O-line. Gosh dang it. Yeah, we're not going to probably force it to the left just to prove a point, but we're going to run this play. And if they're in this front and they have this personnel, I expect you guys to win. Do you understand? Receivers, we expect this style of coverage. And if we're running curls and corners, or if we're running a double slant concept, or if we're running an action, and you got to get under this backer and over the other one, you need to hit the hole. Do you understand? Get the freaking job done. Like I, I, I kind of like that urgency. We thrived on that when we were playing in Nebraska. And coaches like, "Look, dude, they're going to play you head up, man. They're not going to let you inside. They're not going to let you outside. You kind of just got to beat half a man and get out of it. Get him out of his technique." But we expect you on the curl to be there. We expect you on the slant to be there. If you can't tell me now and you can watch this one with one of the best seats in the house. Like, I kind of like that. And so it'll be interesting to see um, how our guys fare in that environment uh, up in Lincoln. I think we could should probably expect whatever we've seen them do week one two or zero one and two they may scrap and do something different. I don't I wouldn't be surprised if they throw a shell at us. I would I would be equally as um, not surprised I guess I should say if they play bump like they just fired their coach. There's like you said there's a high likelihood they're going to hire um, a Campbell or a Kleinman or right there's some big name guy in Nebraska is going to be bringing on board. They're not going to be ke- keeping some dude who was the, the the position coach at LSU two years ago. It's just not going to happen. So right now they want to create sparks and and, and fireworks. So, oh, you to come prepared in their first away game. And they're all whites looking fly as hell with one of the sexiest uniforms in all of college football. And in the first quarter, they need to let them know like you guys lost all your luster when you went to the big 10. We're now big bro. Let me sun you for 12 minutes. 15 minutes and then enjoy the ride the rest of the 45. And then afterwards we'll go out because we we have respect for each other and we'll let our fans go have dinner. Like that needs to be the game, the end.
0: Man, th- we weren't around last year, but you know, just thinking about this game coming up, uh, the, you know, th- this podcast, we've been so fortunate to hear some really cool stories. And I think that's one of the more intriguing aspects of, of what we offer. And we cannot get out of this podcast today without hearing how you felt, what your thoughts were, what the environment and the atmosphere was like when you guys took down Nebraska in 2000. You gave, oh, what what was what was that like for for DMAC?
1: Ah, you're killing me. Ah, oh, you're killing me, Barry. You're killing me. Here's what I'll say. Ha! <laughs> here's two things one i'm not supposed to play in that game i woke up with a, a soft nah i'd say a baseball size knot in my lower back Ooh. shout out to jim ellis like i literally couldn't get out of bed like literally and by the way the day before i'm perfect which is super weird like i don't have any symptoms the day before saturday morning i wake up and it's a morning game we played them i think 12 30 kickoff um or 12 o'clock kickoff and so, I mean, like the whole pregame, I'm getting massaged for like two straight hours, hot, you know, hot, compressed Jim is like in, in digging in my joint. And we had a again, we had just incorporated all these new like nuances to our schemes. We had a we had a very detailed kickoff cover team. We had a very detailed like game plan and receive like there were certain um packages that only i like they couldn't run the play without me and there was something they couldn't run the play without kurt and there was something they couldn't run the play without josh so like you know i was an integral part of the the game plan all of us were so that was the first part second is remember we play kansas and you know sell out seventy five thousand. the atmosphere is pretty cool the atmosphere is good good atmosphere at the game loud whatever but we play texas where in Dallas. We play K State where in Manhattan. Now we're the number two team in America. Coming back, and we've got we've got um, Nebraska coming to the crib. And this is the Nebraska on off the lore of the Frost of the worlds, of the Tommy Frazers of the world, of the Schlesingers of the world, of the you know the Mike and Ralph Browns of the world. Right, like these dudes are like, dude, like the Nebraska teams just a few years prior, like like the 97 team, ridiculous team. So we pull up, and at that time, they had the – game. obviously, game day's there. I think game day was at our games three days in a row. I'm pretty sure they were at OU Texas, and then they were at K-State, and then they were at uh, Nebraska. So we've got game day three weeks consecutively. Um, pull up, and it, it doesn't even look like Owen Field i'm like where the freak are we like it's a sea of people they've got the setup right there on uh jenkins like literally like adjacent to the stadium we used to come in off jenkins you know how they do the walk of champions now on Lindsay? yeah yeah we used to come in on jenkins they'd go about a you know about a thousand four five hundred feet further in and we go in where the old entrance of the switzer center was back in the day um but the atmosphere is maniacal, brother. You know, I had to take a ton of ibuprofen and stuff. They did me a lot of blood thinners. They, 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 uh, I didn't get shot with anything, but they massaged me probably two hours straight. I didn't get to do any of the pregame meetings that they had. I was just, I was working with the, uh, the, um, the, uh, training staff, the whole pregame. And then I go out to catch kickoffs or to catch the kicks and punts. Um, and that, that felt similar, but. That game, uh, Barry, it's unlike any game I've ever played, including the Natty, um, including, I don't know, any OU Texas. The K-State games were special, but it was more so between the lines special. We we had a special thing with those guys. They hated us. We hated them, and they wanted to bully people, and we became the new bully. So that that kind of was a changing of the guard with K-State where we're like, you got us messed up, bro. The Nebraska game, um, I never paid attention to it as a kid. I was in Cali. I, I was more of a Nebraska fan, Tommy Frazier and those guys, you know, I didn't really pay close attention to OU. The, my only old guy in OU I really liked as a kid was Billy Sims because he played for the uh, the uh, Detroit Lions and he passed the torch to Barry Sanders. Uh, but let me just say this. I played football my whole life if until I was 22. And Nebraska is the only game in my entire career where I was carried off the field. Like they legit lifted me and Curtis Fagan in the air and they carried us off the field. And and I guess I'll close it out by saying, just know, just know, the most, so all that stuff was very exciting, like extremely exciting. But I got to admit, it wasn't the most exciting part of the day. <laughs> <Not> the, game. <laughs> the game, the game, the game, the game, the game met its match with the post-game activities and festivities. The oh my god festivities berry 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 the post game festivities ah
0: <laughs> oh my gosh man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, man, yeah one of these days we'll have to like do a not get fired or pulled off the air <laughs> podcast on the like, Barry and
1: Mac after dark yeah after
0: dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man that's oh the I, I mean i remember watching and you know so many sooner fans who had, you had some diehards, obviously. I mean, that's what makes this program so great. But there was a lot of people who had ventured away from the program, started coming back, and you really look at that game as the the catalyst for what became OU in the next two decades. You know, and one of the things that, it wasn't a frustration last year but I'm, I'm excited that coach Venables hasn't run away from it and granted he was a part of you know the, those games he he was a part of i mean he was at Kansas state i mean for, for good lord um uh, yeah. but the the guy has a much better relationship with that nebraska program and has memories there but last year i, I feel like there was a little bit of um resentment in not feeling like the, the coaching staff was embracing the rivalry aspect, the historic aspect like they have like they felt they should have. And one of the things right off the bat this week is, is Coach Venables has not seemed to shy away from that. He's told a few stories here and there. I feel like there's a little more recognition of the past players who played in these games how much these games meant to not only you all but the fans and man there's just excitement you know people wish that this game was back and you know never will be I don't think we're ever going to go down that road ever again it's nice that they did a home and home probably won't play for another decade at least uh but man if you had to pick a score for this one uh, we've been doing this. Uh, what? And by the way, I, I can't remember what your Kent State was, but you darn near nailed the UTEP score.
1: I did, I did, brother. I
0: did. Yeah, I said they'd shut them out, but it didn't happen. Uh, I was a little closer in the Kent State. Game, I wanted but- to see. I wanted to
1: see the standing ovation, bro. I was. You don't understand uh- UTEP when you like if they get if they blank them, it's gonna be. I, I was. I was. I was excited about that.
0: Yeah. So so if you had to pick a score for this one, man, what well, what what is it?
1: Uh, I've been racking my brain, racking my brain. I've saw a little bit of Nebraska. Obviously, the coaching changed, there was a monkey wrench in it just a bit. I think we score six times. Okay. I think we score on six possessions. I think we score four touchdowns and two field goals, which puts us at 34 points, which by the way aligns with our points per game. Don't you know, don't forget yeah. how much people, oh. people been on us. Don't forget yes. about that. Yeah, I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten, by the way. I think they score twice. I think they get in the end zone once. I think they score a field goal. I think we we get a, a turnover on special teams, and it turns in either into a score for us or momentum for us. I'm looking at a 34-10, 34-9 to, 10, 34 to 9, um, score. I think it's a solid win. I think it's one where people see us take on a higher level of competition and still dominate the game. And I think the fans start to feel a little better about us playing against a higher caliber of opponent and having a similar outcome. And the game probably looks similar. They, they're going to make some plays. They're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to get some sacks and I expect them to, uh, um, you know, have some guys throwing balls. They're going to go out there and make a play, potentially a running back who can get through the hole and we're going to have to go get them. But I think fans are going to start to see like, Oh, This isn't the Lincoln Riley dynamo offense with envelope soft folding defense. And if we don't score 59, you know, I've got to go home and take my meds. I think teams, I think the fans are going to start to see like, oh, like this is a team that we can consistently get three and outs and we can consistently, you know, win on third down and we can consistently, um, put the ball in the end zone and have a drive, you know, where it's not big play, big play, or, you know, we're punting literally for, an entire quarter, which absolutely happened in Kent state, but I'm looking at 34 to nine solid victory. Um, You know, obviously reestablished the lore of, of the, uh, the competition of all the years past and, you know, the tradition involved with those two great teams. And I think we come home and get ready to, uh, you know, come out the gates with a very, very, very uh, physical Kansas state team. How about you B what's your score?
0: I'm going 37-16, so it's wow. about in the same ballpark. I, I think there's – what I have seen for, from Oklahoma so far is that even against Kent State, that they've shown the ability when things get tight or and they get kind of near that red area, this defense has stood up pretty well. That the, They've shown that they can hold teams to field goals, and by the way, Kent State is is no slouch. They were picked to win the MAC this year, I believe by the coaches, and I honestly think they still might as long as they don't have to deal with a bunch of injuries cuz they're about to go play Georgia. And that'll be an interesting game to watch. Yeah. Uh, you're right. The, the, seeing just the the comparison there because Georgia just won 33 to nothing, you know, and you don't hear their fans saying my gosh what's going on with you know the 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 dogs so just something interesting to keep in mind and oh you by the way top 10 in scoring defense through week two for the first time since 2013 wow yeah so right up there with georgia and michigan and obviously things may change a little bit down the road but Going 3716. It's gonna be an exciting one. It's gonna be a noon kickoff, but then OU gets K State. It's gonna be a night game. That thing is gonna be rocking. I'll be Ooh. in the house,
1: baby. We gotta hey, we gotta do we gotta do something. I want to do something live on the pod that day. I don't know Let's what do I don't it. Know how we've gotta have something. In fact, let me see. Do you got tickets? Do you need tickets? I you you got
0: them. I, I, I don't have any as we speak but i can definitely get a hold of some
1: okay let me see if i can wiggle something for you brother if we do something live my boy has a uh you know trent smith has a house right there on the duck pond we should do something and, and have folks come out and, and meet some of the listeners uh, by the way if you guys are someone who'd be interested in being a part of the pod if we did it live you know go to ig and let us know shoot us a dm and say hey man i'd love for you guys to do something live during game game day at the tailgate and we'll see if we can wiggle that and make it happen
0: Let's go. Been getting a little more traction lately on that IG, which has been nice. People liked your uh, game day reel. Oh, where did you find that? I got you a like... knack, man. I got a Bro, knack. I know how to I'm get that lie. Between that, like, I can't believe you found the video. Game. <laughs> like, the the video game was crazy. <laughs> I, I, I will give you that. The video game one was pretty wild. I actually did not expect that. That was a little just total freaking dumb luck. Uh, But yeah, uh, guys, if if you haven't, uh, make sure to go leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are literally everywhere that you can get podcasts. We have subscribers on Google Podcasts. We got subscribers on Audible. Uh, You all have definitely been supporting. Make sure to let people know also, you know, that where they can find us. Uh, Word of mouth is is how this stuff gets out. Um, It's been so exciting. Hearing the stories, uh, kind of moving this thing along through the season, uh, it's been an incredible experience for my for myself, and I think I speak for for DMAC as well when I say we're we're just so blessed with just how things have have manifested with with what this was, what we planned or didn't plan on it being, and then what it's become. But Make sure to go leave us a rating and review IG at the Barry and Max show. Uh, Go follow Damien's IG at Dame, that dude, D-A-M-E-T-H-A-T-D-U-D-E. And then mine is at B-Wise Fitness at the letter B-W-I-S-E Fitness. And then uh, also the Twitter. And then Damien, you said you have a Twitter now, right?
1: (laughs) So I made it and I made all these, you know, I made all these commitments. (laughs) I think I posted once I posted to uh, Freeman, man, when his son scored, I posted to my boy who, uh, who played with me my freshman year. Uh, Yeah. D Mac 13 D space Mac 13. I need to, I need to, I need to get better. I need to get better. I ain't gonna lie to you.
0: We'll get, get you there. on that. We'll get you on the spaces. I know people do want to hear you do on the spaces, okay. man. That, let's that, do it
1: together. Let's do one together. Yeah. Huh? Let, let, let's to get let's get
0: that done this week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think okay. I think we can make that. A lot of people love just the kind of the live interaction and feedback. I think that'd be cool. So be looking out for that. Go follow the show on Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW because Twitter just is against us and they don't want us to have all the characters in there. So blame Twitter on that one. Blame Elon Musk for that one so thank you all so much for listening to the podcast uh boomer sooner and we will see you guys soon Hail looking for respect nationwide